Wow. What an intro. You made me sound like an amazing individual. You are an amazing individual. I was sitting there going, oh my goodness, where'd she pull this stuff from? I I have read about you. I have read up on you. And like, I like to get to know my guests before I actually get to know my guests a little bit. And I was like, there's this moment. I'm like, I'm oh, cool. Well, hey, fun. Thanks. Yes, thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything that I didn't mention. <laughs> God, you covered a lot. I was amazed by that. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on your show. I've been looking yeah. forward to this. And uh, you, you, you covered an awful lot. Uh, I'm a writer. Uh, you know, I'm a writer, an author, a uh, dog mom. But one thing you didn't know, because it's not out there in the public, I am soon to be a first-time grandma. Yes, so less than seven weeks, my daughter is going to have uh, a little baby girl. So a new little princess is going to be entering the realm soon. And that's super exciting. I am so excited to be a grandma. I got to tell you, I've been waiting a long time for this. Listen, my parents were totally different people when it happened. I was like, who are you? (laughs) Well, my daughter, she struggled for two years and went the whole IVF route. And it was it was very difficult for a mama to watch her only child go through. And she's in her early 30s. So this this is probably going to be her one and only child. And uh, the joke had always been, you know, I've been ready to be a grandma for 10 years now, kiddo. You know, get busy. Uh, but now, you know, uh, I, I prayed so hard during the two years of her struggling through because it's very hard on her emotionally, physically, financially. And I didn't understand a lot of it because I'd never been in that realm. But oh, my goodness, for all those out there who have went through that for years, my my heart and my prayers go out to you because I, I saw firsthand. Oh, goodness, how hard it was for my daughter. And it just broke my heart. But, you know, God saw fit to make it happen so we got a little little baby girl coming in to the world city like i couldn't be happy oh i know oh when she finally told me i jumped up and down in my kitchen my hands in the air i'm i'm yelling thank you god that i I was yeah i went a little silly i decided to cry this morning kim (laughs) (laughs) oh that, that resonates deeply with me because i i had we had fertility issues, struggling to get pregnant. Just like my my body said, it's not going to happen. And um, it's five years in. We finally had our own little girl, and and she was it. God was like, and you're done. And I said, okay, but you know, his blood types are perfect. Yeah, you know, his blood. And and thankfully, you know, it was a natural route. We didn't have to go the financial route. But I know people who have, and that is like that is just another stressor on top of the emotional and physical and all the other stresses that go with right. it. So, oh, God is good. Yes, he is all the time. Oh, amen. <laughs> okay, we're having church this morning. Continue. Hey, hey, why not? <laughs> why not? Woo. Okay, so what else about yourself? You're going to be a grandma and you're an Air Force veteran. You're a dog mom. Oh, I think I heard or read that um, you also are a coffee fanatic. Uh, I drink copious amounts of coffee. Copi- copious. I always have a coffee mug near. Yeah, I drink way too much of it. Um, because people are like, you know, Kim, you don't need the caffeine <laughs> because I'm kind of wired high energy anyway, but no, I, I love coffee and I like experimenting with it and playing around with it, you know, and seeing what other kinds of flavors and stuff I can come up with. And I don't know, just kind of fun. And I like it. And the funny thing is I didn't start drinking coffee cause I didn't like it until my mid thirties, my daughter of all people, she's the one she said, 
got to taste this. I said, what is it? She goes, it's a cappuccino. I said, uh, coffee. No, don't want to have anything to do with it. I took a sip with it of it and I just looked at her and I went, ooh. She goes, <laughs> missing. Yeah. She goes, now, now let's watch and see, mom. So literally from that day forward, I, I drink a lot of coffee. I love it. We are such kindred spirits. Like, I love it. This is, this was just meant to be. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, okay. So you go around sharing your story. Tell us what that story is that you go around and share and, and what motivated you to start sharing it. Well, goodness, goodness gracious. Years ago, uh, I, I was not one who was raised in the church. I had never read a Bible. And after I was out of the service, I pretty much just said, you know, there is no God. And I was very angry and very bitter and uh, carried a big old weight of all of that on my shoulders. Not really realizing that I was. It was just there, you know, weighing me down. And I was often <laughs> had nothing but negative to say about God. And years, years later, I look back now and I'm like, how is it, Kim, that you told yourself you didn't believe in God, you hated God, you were angry with God? How can you hate and be angry with something that you are saying doesn't exist? And I look back on that now and I'm like, oh, Kim, <laughs> Kim, goodness. But uh, I was um, very briefly I lived with PTSD due to being sexually assaulted by two individuals while I was in the military. That and immediately after, I just put up a wall. It was amazing. It's amazing what your mind can do and how quickly you can build a wall and how firmly you can build it. And that's what I did. Uh, I The instance that I was in, I, I had to escape from. And as I was running, as fast as I think I've probably ever run, in my brain, my mind was like, didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen, never talking about it, never thinking about it. You know, my brain was just so fired up on didn't happen, didn't happen. And I, I think, you know, with each step, it was another brick building that wall and be darned if anything was ever going to get in. And none of that darkness was ever going to see the light of day. No way. And that was how it was for 15 years but you don't realize what all that stuff when you're holding it in it eats it eats at you from the inside out but you don't realize it and I kept telling myself you know I years later life started happening like it always does you know there's a death in my family a very dear friend of mine um committed suicide uh, I was going through a divorce and this was all happening at the same time just boom 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 and it was too much. And then I started having all these flashbacks and seeing scenes and smelling smells and hearing things. And I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was losing my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, it's coming out. It's coming out. No, no, no. I can't let that come out. I can't let people see that because then they'll look at me different and they'll see not the strong person. They're going to see this weak person. There is no weakness in there, obviously. Look at me getting all teary-eyed. I'm sorry. It's it's still hard to talk about, actually, yeah. all these years later. But when all that stuff was happening, 
uh, life, you know, years later, I, I found myself on my living room floor on my knees, sobbing, ugly cry, ugly cry. And the only word I was saying that I remember saying is please. And I didn't know who I was asking please of. And then I felt a whisper. I, I didn't hear it. I felt it. And it simply said, but those who hope in the Lord. And I, you know, kind of looked around. I'm like, what? And then I'm thinking, I really am. I am really losing my mind. I'm going crazy. I, I don't know what to do. And then it came again. But those who hope in the Lord. And then I'm thinking, do I have a Bible in this house? I think I think we got one years ago. Never read it, never picked it up, never opened it. So I became frantic, just a bit frantic, searching the house for this Bible. I found it, went back to the living room floor, sat down. I have no idea how to find anything in the Bible. I'm like, where's the table of contents? There's no index in this stupid book. And I was so frustrated and so angry and thinking I'm losing my mind. So I just took it and threw it. And it hit the floor and slid a couple feet away from me. And I was angry again, still crying, but then angry at God, the one I told myself I didn't believe in. And then for a third time, but those who hope in the Lord. And I literally did this, turned around. I'm like, if that's you, God, okay, but I think I'm going crazy. So I reached forward. I'm still sitting on the floor on my knees. I reach forward and slide the Bible towards me and I pick it up and it had flapped open, you know, because I threw it in anger. And when I picked it up and looked down, and I will never forget this because I get goosebumps just thinking about it now all these years later. When I looked down, it was like words were lit, were lit up. And the words were, but those who hope in the Lord will soar on wings like eagles we're running, not grow weary, and we'll walk and not faint. Isaiah. And I remember thinking before that, those words that I was feeling, I was like, Let, they, they sound kind of Bible-ish, you know? Um, and by golly, they were Bible-ish, weren't they? So when I looked at that and read that, then I just, I didn't feel better. I do want to point that out. But something came over me that I was not actually alone. I was not alone in this big swirl of a hot mess that I was in, that my brain was in, that my life felt like it was in. And did I become this like perfect Christian? No, but I did start going to church. I went to church angry and left church angry for months, but I kept going. <laughs> I kept going. And uh, then I realized, you know, something just hit me. It was on an Easter Sunday service, actually. And I, I was overwhelmed once again with this amazing feeling. But this time the feeling was nothing but utter and total peace and love. And it's something I've never experienced since then. And I'd never experienced before that. It was just so all-encompassing. And I had goosebumps and tears were just streaming down my face. And they started shaking and I had my daughter with me and she was just a little turd at the time and we're holding hands. And I looked over at her and her eyes were really wide and she's looking at me and she just was like, mommy, mommy. And I looked at her and I went, do you feel that? Because it was so visceral. Oh 
gully, but it was like I was in a bubble of just me and him, you know? And my daughter just kept looking at me like, oh, you know, her little mouth and a perfect O and her big eyes. And there was a gentleman next to me. I'm holding his hand because the pastor had said, you know, please hold hands while we pray and close out the service. And I turned to that guy beside me and he had, I just remember he had these, the most piercing blue eyes. I don't know who the guy was because I'd never met him. He had the most piercing blue eyes. And I turned to him and I was like, and he just got this huge smile on his face and he just started nodding saying, praise Jesus. And I was shaking. And uh, so that moment, that moment is the first time I left church, not angry. My daughter and I actually were holding hands and we skipped out of the church, across the park, literally skipping and singing the last song that the worship team had sang. I'd never done that, leaving church. I'd leave church all angry and rah, 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 you know? Um, it was then that I was like, okay, maybe God does exist. <laughs> and maybe he's giving me a little nudge. And, you know, that was, the, that was the start of my journey. Uh, you know, I was in my mid-30s. You know, that was the start of my journey. And looking back now, I can see how, like, the stepping stones were laid out. Now, do I wish anything that I went through on anyone ever? No, absolutely not. And if it ever happened to a family member of mine and my daughter, I would do I would probably not be looked at as a great person for what I would want to do in protection of those I love. Um, but I can see the path that was laid out. If I, and this is, you know, of course, easier to say looking back, if I had not went through any of that or any of the stuff up until that day that I was just covered in this bubble of love, I would not be able to toss out a little nugget of hope to someone else. I never, I never anticipated doing that. I never anticipated writing. I never anticipated being, you know, hey, I want to just be kind and give hope because prior I was like, I hate the world you know, and everyone in it. So it's a, it's, it's a total turnaround and I'm so thankful and ridiculously humbled every day by it that God looked at me at this mess, this snot-faced mess on the floor, and said, I got to get her attention. She's, she's one of mine, and I'm not going to let her go. Think about that. Holy cow. Out of all the billions of people on this planet, he recognizes you. Snot, snot-nosed mess that you might be sitting on your living room floor. He's like, I'm not letting you go, but you got, you got to look to me, child. I can give you all the signs in, in the world until you look at me, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how it started. There you have it. <laughs> Here's part of my story. I, I did grow up in church. My dad is actually still a pastor to this day, always has been before I was born and up to this day. And uh, um, I did not care for that at all. Like it was, it was one of those situations where, um, you know, you were expected to live a very perfect and solid life and everything. There were high expectations. And I said, forget that. And I rebelled against it. Um, but I did have the knowledge. I did have um, the environment. And so I knew, I knew what was out there. 
um, and I knew that God was real and, and I knew, but I chose to not to, to not believe. So that goes to show you that God looks down and he says, you have a dramatic story. You do not have that dramatic of a story. And he still chooses to love you and to use you for his glory, for his plan, for his greatness and for his for him, you know, um, and so that when when people hear stories like yours, which I love because it does show you that God reaches through all of that. Um, but sometimes people are like, "But that's not my story. I can't. I can't be that dramatic." You know, I don't have, I don't have all of that and experience that. Guess what? God's still going to use you. You know, like God still has a plan for you. God still has a story for you to share. You just have to be willing to share it, which is what I love so much. Um, about you, that you were just so bold and brave in sharing your story, because um, as Christians, we do have a very different source of hope than the rest of the world. Um, they they don't understand, the world doesn't understand our hope. Um, but I know for me um, that there have been several events in my life where that hope, Jesus, is the only reason I made it to the other side. And I think most of us who are believers, we look back and and we don't actually recognize sometimes until we're on the other side right. that Jesus pulled us through. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we were hanging on for dear life to that life preserver and we didn't even know what or who were right. <laughs> I'm often saying, boy, I was in that boat and I had no oars. Right. You know, just out there floating. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. One of the things that I've grown to realize in my own life, I had... Um, I battled with postpartum psychosis, which was followed by years of like this lingering depression that just it would not, um, I could not shake it. Um, but I also didn't talk to anybody about it, which is ironic considering that um, I'm a counselor in my own right, like I'm a marriage and family counselor. But sometimes like when you are when you are so bogged down by um, those emotions and those feelings and you you don't think straight, literally your brain chemistry is messed up to the point where you can't, you know, think I need to talk to somebody about this. Um, so, you know, I dealt with with all of these things. And I, then there were days where I would try to convince myself I'm happy. If I just convince myself I'm happy, um, then I, everything would be fine. Everything would go back to normal. And so maybe for a day or two, I would convince myself that I was happy. And then there would be, you know, the days that followed that it was like, oh, wait, I'm not happy anymore. And so you have to chase that high kind of like an addict would, you know, chasing that next. You know, I need that that endorphin hit from being happy. Um, and it wasn't until um, I really I had a. <laughs> I had a really bad experience with a counselor. I did go sit down with a counselor. It was a very bad experience. And she was not a Christian counselor, which was on me, but it was it was who I could see in the moment. And so I was like, yeah, we'll take a risk. It was a bad choice. But anyway, uh, not that non-Christian counselors are bad. I'm just saying that she gave me some very secular advice that I would not have um, suggested be followed. Anyway, so um, I sat down and I left there and it was almost like the Holy Spirit had just reached out and slapped me upside the head <laughs> and said, you know what your problem is, don't you? Like you quit relying on me. You quit holding on to me. You quit seeking after me. And you're trying to do this in your own power. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. And it was when I chose joy, when I chose to find the joy and not the fleeting happiness that's rooted in Jesus that, you know, my whole life changed. And so, yes, when when you see... um, when you stop realizing that it's not about the emotions, it's not about how you feel, and, and we choose joy and the source of that joy, that's when our ability to see hope is so much greater. You know, I have I have found over the years, for me, and, and I've said it so many times talking to people and even in my writing and stuff, I need to be outdoors because that's where I breathe. That's where I can breathe most freely. And that's 
most times where I'm praying, and thankfully, I've always had a dog, large dogs, and they need a lot of exercise. So I'm always out walking or sitting outside or what have you. But that's where I am at most peace and and uh, I can breathe. That's I'm always saying. I can breathe there. But the other day, I don't know if you've had these moments. They're not melancholy. They're not nostalgic. They're more, I don't know, you almost feel sad, but you're not sure why. And it's just all these emotions kind of sit. So it was one of those perfect summer days. It was like 75 degrees, sunny. The birds were singing their songs. I had three deer walking through my backyard. My dog is just laying in the sun, taking a little snooze. And it was just like one of those perfect moments. But I was so overcome with emotion. Boom. And I was almost, I was almost crying. I was just so overwhelmed. And I remember sitting there thinking the one thing is the words that kept coming to me was you're covered. Those two words, you're covered. And I'm sitting there drinking my coffee, of course. And my co- I looked down at my coffee cup and my coffee cup said, enjoy the little things. And for whatever reason, me noticing that at that moment and having that feeling, I was just like, I, I literally just started saying, amen. Amen. You know, and, and I shared it in a post on, on social media because I was over and I'm thinking my thought was, well, it wasn't my thought. I think I was being nudged. Put this moment out there. Remind people to sit and be still. Remind people. And I became somewhat uh, anxious. I'm like, I have to share this. I have to share this. So I did. I just said, you know, sitting on my porch and what I was reminded of was, you know, you're sitting out in nature, you're covered. No matter where you're at, you're covered. Enjoy that minute. Take a deep breath. Be still. Because you're covered. And it was just those words, you're covered. And I hadn't had something like that, you know, happen in quite a while. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in my life right now, you know. And everybody's lives, everybody's got something going on. I'm not the only one. But I'm also watching friends of mine go through incredibly life-altering changes with the loss of spouses or parents. And it's just, it was just so much. And that day I had heard of three deaths and of people my age and the imminent death of uh, a friend that I went to school with that I grew up with. And it was just all so much. And I'm sitting on, the, I just remember sitting there on this perfect summer day, taking a deep breath, you know, just, you know, and then I was reminded, you're covered. And, and it's so hard to hear those reminders because we do get busy and they're always there, you know, like, you look around at just at nature, at creation, um, you know, Romans one twenty. it's like you look around and there's the proof of the eternal God just in the creation in itself. You know, it's 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 always there. It's just sometimes we forget to sit still and listen or just look. And um, because we fill our lives with so much stuff, with so much busyness, with so many other things that we get distracted. And yes, sometimes he does have to like, listen, right here, right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, I laugh sometimes because when something will come to me, I'll be like, you've been pounding on my back for five days about this, haven't you? And I'm just now getting it. 
We're slow on the uptake, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always laugh about it. We're like, well, God just took a two by four to the back of my head this morning because I wasn't paying attention for like the last week. Oh, my goodness. And and it's not because I don't want to hear him. It's because I choose not to sometimes. And so that's that's. And how many like you just don't want to? You're like, no, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And how many blessings have we missed out on, and opportunities have we missed out on when we have, you know, because if he's if he's if we're not willing to be used, he's going to use somebody else, (laughs) right? Or he's gonna he's gonna plop someone in front of you to remind you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've found. And you know, I am so amazed (laughs) that me and my stubbornness that I recognize that now. And I look back over the years thinking, he put so many people in front of me throughout those dark years. But I was so filled with anger, I turned them all away, every last one of them. And then someone, a lady just recently said something to me and she said, Kim, I think that you were, you were put in front of me for a reason. And in my brain, I thought, oh, my goodness, he's putting me in people's paths now. That was overwhelming. That was an overwhelming realization for me because it was, again, one of those moments where I'm like, holy cow, he's he's using me for this. And before, I never would have realized, you know, it'd be like, oh, it's a coincidence or, you know, blah, 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 what we all tell ourselves. Um, but, yeah, that's it's a. Uh, it's so incredibly humbling. It's yeah. incredibly humbling. And such a responsibility that um, we can't take it lightly either. You know, no. when, when we're presented with those opportunities, if, if we don't take them seriously, um, <clears throat> we're disobedient. We're being disobedient. <clears throat> and I am a lot. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. You know, I'll be like, I am an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> Could you please find somebody else? Just not today. I'm good. Thanks. You know, like, <laughs> no, exactly. It's like, you know, do I, am I the person supposed to, out of all the millions and millions of people, I'm supposed to be doing this? Are you serious? And then, you know, I'll get an answer at some point, maybe not that day, but the next, they'll be like, yes, I am serious. And I'll be like, oh, <laughs> darn it. Fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I said, you're all fine. I'll do it. Right. You're gonna stomp and cross your arms the whole yeah, time. Exactly. <laughs> oh yes. Make me more like Isaiah and less like Jonah. Like that's my prayer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please do the best we can. Do the best we can. Yes. I am so from, you... far from perfect, and I never will be perfect. So I'm just gonna keep on plodding along, doing the best yeah. that I can. Exactly. I mean, and that's that's all he asks of us, anyway. So. Um, is is to do because he's going to empower us to do the things that he called us to anyway. So he was like, you know, as long as you're willing, I got the answers. Just do it. Just do it. got you covered. You're covered. So I got you covered. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, and and he also gives us the the ability and the opportunities to to use other talents that we have. So you have published multiple books. Tell us about your writing and how that journey kind of started and where it's going and and all that. I started writing in 2004. Someone had asked me to participate in an anthology. Uh, or no, no, I wrote a speech. And it was years, 10 years later that I was asked to be in an anthology. So I was published then. But I started writing when I wrote a speech for uh, a very large local veteran event that we had. So there's over 800 people at this. I had never spoken in public before and I'd never written a speech. Uh, but it was a, it was a story close to 
my heart because it was part of my family. And uh, it was about my step-grandfather. He was the last surviving World War I veteran in our area. World War I. You did hear that correctly. So this was years ago. This is back in 1997. And I had, um, he passed away in 97. And in 2004, I was asked to give a speech because we were having the Vietnam Veterans Memorial moving wall in our area. And there was well over 800 people there and television and, you know, media and all kinds of stuff. And there I was, you know, having to speak in front of these people. I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw up. But uh, I I had taken three weeks to to talk to people and read stuff and letters that he had written home and all kinds of stuff. And I shared that. And afterwards, there it was silence when I was done speaking. It was total silence. And with that many people, I thought, I must have really sucked. I must not have done a very good job. And then there was one clap. And then another clap. You know, and then it just kind of erupted. And uh, I looked when I finally focused, because I was literally just looking down at the podium. And I looked up. People were sobbing. They were crying and clapping. And later on, um, the editor from the local newspaper approached me and said, you know, would you consider writing a monthly column for the newspaper on veterans? And I went, I am no writer, but I, you know, I appreciate you asking, but I am, I am not a writer. I don't have background in any of that. And he said, well, who wrote your speech? And I said, well, I did. And he goes, you are a writer. And I went, oh, <laughs> little tiny light bulb went on. So I did do that. I wrote that monthly that monthly column for about 14 years. And um, it took that, a person I'd never met, seeing something in me I had never seen. And so that's where it started, kind of. You know, that's that was the little nudge that I needed to, to start writing. And then I did, years later, I shared my personal story, um, which was incredibly difficult in that book. I kept it very general, but it's still... Ooh, played, oh, it wreaked havoc on my emotional state. I'll just put it that way. Um, and then from there, you know, I just kind of floated along, writing my monthly column, doing, you know, magazine articles every once in a while, not really putting a whole lot of effort into it until um, the, the pandemic hit. And I lost my job along with millions of other people because the doors were closed. There was, I was a, I was a, uh, sales and marketing director. So I was a road warrior. I was always on the road. Well, the doors were closed. There's no place for me to go, you know? So, uh, and I understood it and I saw it coming, you know? So I lost my job and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, it's just me and the dog. What am I going to do? I've never been in this position before. And then I thought, all right, well, be angry then. Be angry for 24 hours, Kim. Be good and mad. And I can do a good mad. I can do a good mat. And I did it. I did it really well for 24 hours. <laughs> then the next day I woke up and said, all right, pull up your big girl panties. What are you going to do? Do it. Let's do something. And I realized and, and made a decision right then and there. I am not sending out resumes. I've reached a season in my life. I don't feel like working for somebody else anymore. I'm tired of it. Just tired of it. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to take a big old risk on myself. And God, I feel like you're nudging me to do this. So I'm gonna, but you know, when you do that and you're like, you don't get reassurance that it is him, 
But I'm like, oh, I'm not going to second guess myself. I'm just going to do it. So I taught myself how to podcast, literally started a podcast that day. No, I Googled it and researched for two hours, <laughs> started it that day. And then through that medium and online and all kinds of stuff, I met this beautiful woman from England who had just started, uh, just formed a faith-based publishing company. And I went, oh, hmm. <laughs> so her and I got to chatting and became friends, still are, four years later, still good friends. And we decided to collaborate. We're like, well, let's, you know, we really feel like the world is so filled with fear and no one's seeing the grace in it anymore. And so we came up with the idea to write a book called When Grace Found Me. And we asked other people to participate. So it's an anthology. It's supposed to be one book. So we did it. But as we were doing it, through word of mouth, however, more and more women from all over the world were coming forth saying, there's still room in the book. Can I share my story? I have a short story I'd like to share. And that one book turned into three. So it turned into a three-book series called When Grace Found Me. And we published them all within 12 months. And that, that year was such a learning experience. And I was like, you know what? I got to, I got to keep doing this and do it on a different kind of level. So that's when I really started focusing more on what I like to write. And a lot of it is faith-based and, and, or, uh, talking about animals. <laughs> you know, those are my two things. Uh, so I had another book after that that I put out just on my own called When Hope Found Me because I had this whole other journey of tossing nuggets of hope and another nudge from God saying, go talk to strangers. <laughs> you know? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to. Uh, but that was a very strong nudge too. And that started a whole nother little mission that I've been on for, you know, about the last year and a half now, tossing out nuggets of hope. I love it. Sometimes he just says, you have to trust me to take that first step, which is kind of, you know, you're like, I don't feel any kind of assurance like that I'm doing the right thing. But then it's like, just take the first step. And I promise you, you will see that I am behind all of this. Like I am ahead of you. I am behind you. And I'm on either side of you. You just yeah. have to take that step. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Covered, you know, and those two words just have stuck with me since that day, sitting on my back deck. You're covered. This, the hope thing, I started seeing the word hope everywhere, mm. everywhere for like two weeks. I heard it. I read it. I saw it. And it was, it wouldn't, the word hope just would not leave my mind. And I had these little cards, you know, those little cards that say, you're awesome. You're a rock star. I, for whatever reason, I had a handful of those. So I just shoved them in my purse and I started, you know, tucking them in places in stores when I was doing errands. Like I was tucking them in t-shirt pockets and men's underwear section. <laughs> you know? I was putting them everywhere. Random, the most random places. I put them in with the cookies and the Doritos. And I was taping myself just saying, I'm out here dropping nuggets of hope. And I just start, that's what I started calling it, these little cards. But I kept getting that nudge. You know, it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you. But this, you got to do more. Yeah. And that's when I realized I'm supposed to actually talk to people, not do it secretly, anonymously. So I wasn't sure what to do. And I got online and I actually, I found these little stones. They're these beautiful polished stones with the word hope engraved on them. 
And I found some. I was like, I can't believe that I found these. And I'm going, duh, Kim, you've been nudged for weeks now. Of course you found them. So I bought a whole bunch of them. And I always have one in my pocket or in my purse, coat pocket. I keep a couple in the console in my car. And when I'm out and about doing my, and this, I've been doing this for a year and a half now. I'm out and about doing my errands. Someone will catch my eye. And it's typically, you know, a person that I would probably not normally approach. And I'm not one to approach total strangers anyway. <laughs> but uh, it started, um, you know, just, I, I would just get this overwhelming feeling. That person needs a nugget of hope. And then I realized I'm not supposed to talk to them. I'm not supposed to ask them their story, ask them their name. I'm just, I was being told and people can believe however they want to believe. You can think I'm crazy. And that's perfectly fine. I felt like I was being told, you approach this person in a gentle manner. Offer them a nugget of hope. And then wish them a blessed day. So that's what I did. And the first person I approached, I just walked up and said, excuse me, sir. I would love to give you a nugget of hope today. And I hold out my hand. And without fail... Without fail, every person has held their hand out, which looking back, I'm amazed at. I'm a total stranger. And so I just gently place the stone, the, the rock in their hand and say, I wish you a blessed day. And then I turn and walk away. That's it. And the more I do it, the more comfortable I am with it. But there's been some, uh, there's been times where afterwards I get to my car and I just start crying and just put my head on my steering wheel and my arms and start crying. Because I've had laughter. I've had a couple looks like, who are you, crazy person? Um, I've had tears with no words, just tears. I've had hugs. And I've had one older gentleman, at least in his mid to late 80s, uh, yell at me in anger. And, you know, so it's run the gamut of, of the responses and emotions that I've gotten back. But each one, in its own way, has been a huge blessing. And every time I get in my car, and a few of them, I just had such an, oh, I'm really, really empathetic. And I would have such an overwhelming feeling getting back into my car. It's like, now you read, to, you need to really pray hard for that person. And I'll be like, okay, 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 I will. I don't know what's going on, you know, and you just, I'm praying in like, you know, this frantic weird. And then I was like, I don't even know what to pray. And then I remember my pastor saying, when there are no words, you just say Jesus. Mm. And for me, that is to say, please. That seems to be my thing. So I was like, Jesus, please. And, you know, I don't know their life stories. I don't think I'm, I'm not meant to. I think that it's very humbling to realize that God is like, all those people I used to get through to you or tried to get through to you, you are now one of those people because there's so many out there that are sitting where you were at. And that's a big thought to have, you know, and it's, and I say humbling. I know I, I know I'm being redundant, but I, I can't think of another word for it. That's the best word I can come up with is humbling because you feel so small sometimes, but you have no idea the big impact that you can have on somebody my goodness and if you've got that opportunity why aren't you doing it 
Mm-hmm. Come on. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's, you know, how hard is it? I mean, what what is stopping us from walking up to somebody and saying, I would like to offer you hope? Now, I mean, what God sent his son to die on a cross to offer me hope. He's literally saying, hey, walk up to this person and say, I'd like to offer you a nugget of hope. And you hand them a little stone that says hope. You know, if God is calling you to do something so small and so simple, what's holding you back? You know, like it, it's fear, pride. Yeah, that's all you. <laughs> I, you know, not as you specifically, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. In our humanness, that's just you being human. Of course, yeah. it's uncomfortable sometimes. I had a man yelling at me in Walmart. Yelling at me in anger. You know, I mean, he literally yelled, and I'll say his words. He literally yelled when I, he held out his hand and I gave him the stone. And he just, he yelled at me, what the hell is there to hope for? I mean, he yelled it. And I kind of just went, and then I realized he's not yelling at me. Yep. I have no idea what this older gentleman is going through right now. <laughs> and that's one where I got in my car and I was crying and I was praying and I'm thinking, you know, maybe his wife has Alzheimer's. I don't know why I had these very specific thoughts. Maybe his wife has Alzheimer's and he has just reached his wits end. She's got, you know, sundowner. So he's up all night and she sleeps all day and he has to watch her. And he's so tired. That's the first time he was able to even get out and get groceries. And he can't find a gosh darn laundry detergent. And that just put him over the edge. Maybe he's been really sick for a long time and it's his first time getting out and he's so dang tired. He's like, oh my gosh, Walmart feels so big. I just need these few things. They've turned everything around in this dang store again. I can't find the dish soap. Uh, and he's just getting frustrated and angry and he just wants to go home because he's just so dang tired. I don't know what was he was going through. And if he needed to yell, I'm glad I'm the one he yelled at. Because I knew not to take it personally. Somebody else might have taken it personally and started yelling back. So if nothing else, I was put there to take that on, you know, take it on the chin that day. So someone else who would have been angry and mean about it wasn't there. That's That's how I'm looking at it. Because he took that nugget. He took that stone. He put it in his pocket. Who's to say the next day when he was looking on the table or the bowl where he puts his keys and change and all that stuff, that he didn't pick that up and just go, oh, hope, hope, huh? Maybe there is some. Maybe it was that little nugget of light, that little spark. So you know what? He could yell at me all day long. <laughs> You just have to recognize it. You got to recognize it, not take it personally. Everybody's going through something. We all put on a mask before we walk out our back door. I don't care who you are. Sometimes your mask is going to slip. Yeah. Well, and you were doing exactly what you were called to do. And like you said, like that, and that's what I kept thinking. Like, uh, you know, who's to say that you weren't the one that planted the first seed of hope that he had felt in who knows how long, you know, and who's going to come up behind you, who, uh, you know, who's going to come up after you and say, hey, let me tell you about this hope that I have, you know, who's, who's to say that you didn't start a chain of events, just like the first person to ever speak to you about Jesus didn't start some chain of events in your life. You know, like if, if you are faithful and you are obedient and you follow through to the the call, the nudge, the slap upside of the head, you know, as long as you're faithful, God's got the rest of it. And he's got you covered in those moments, because even if that man did yell at you, 
you were covered. <laughs> right. And I didn't, I didn't take offense at it at all. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of, I was, I was surprised at first. Right. <laughs> that's like, oh, um, but yeah, it was fine. I got, because yeah. I got to my car so overwhelmed with emotion for this gentleman and so sad for him. It was like, I felt his sadness. His sadness slammed me. And I, I'm, like I said earlier, I, I am really, really empathetic. And I have found, I don't recall being like that all the time. Mm. But the more I have found, the more I'm on this journey that I'm on, you know, walking with God, the more empathetic I'm becoming. And I've, I've spoken with my pastor about it because sometimes I'm like, you know, is this a gift? Because it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard to be so empathetic, to walk into a room and all of a sudden feel someone else's just boom. I mean, and I physically feel it. Cause, and I, that was another thing. I'm like, am I, I was to my pastor, I'm like, am I, am I losing it? Am I kind of crazy? And he says, no, I'm the exact same way. Mm-hmm. He goes, so I completely understand what you're saying and no, you're not crazy. And it's, it's a tough, it's tough. And if anybody else out, out there listening, if you're empathetic and you feel that and you feel like you're taking it on yourself, please don't think you're alone in that because it is tough. I, I have sleepless nights of it sometimes because I'll be thinking, you know, or pr- okay, I got to keep praying for this person or I have to keep praying for that or I have to start praying for myself. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times I forget. I forget. I pray for everybody else. Then I'm right. We do. We have to pray for myself because I'm getting kind of tired. (laughs) We feel selfish when we pray for ourselves. You know, we have, you know, we always have this mindset that we're supposed to pray for everybody else. But it's like, you know, how do I know somebody's praying for me? You know, if somebody's being faithful, they've been told to pray for me. And but at the same time, it's like, it's okay to pray for yourself. It's not selfish. (laughs) Do you find that, uh, I don't know. It feels weird sometimes. I don't like asking God for stuff. I don't like praying for myself. I feel selfish is the word. Yeah. I feel selfish and uncomfortable and small. And, uh, and I often find myself stopping midway through. I'm like, no, yeah, I'm going to pray for my daughter instead. (laughs) Well, and I wonder if that, you know, growing up, we're always told, you know, we think about other people first, put other people first, treat others the way you want them to treat you. It's all about everybody else. And and that's good, right? I mean, that's the golden rule, you know, do unto others and the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself and um, all that good stuff. Like, I, I, I get it, you know, but he also tells us, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And how else will you cast them? You know, if you're not casting them, but <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> you got to cast them, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not just saying, let it go. It's literally right. saying, give them over. And that is a personal interaction when you give somebody something. And so, you know, it's okay to pray for yourself. Yeah. And that's a big distinction that you just said. It's not let it go. It's give it, give it up. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how often you've heard it, but, you know, if things are going on in your life and, you know, people that you know, realize it and they're like, you know, Kim, just let it go. I actually don't care for those words let it go mm-hmm. hmm. I just don't so you might have a distinction there it's not necessarily yeah. let it go it's you've got to give it up there is a difference yes there is a difference. difference oh yeah I had a conversation with a woman back in 
June, I guess. And she was like, I just let things roll off my back. And which to me is like equivalent of let it go. And I'm like, you know, things can only roll so far before they start piling up behind you. You know, like letting it go is not the same thing as walking away from it once you have released it. And and that's what giving it up is. Like you no longer have anything to do with it. You have given it up. It's not yours to deal with anymore. <laughs> right. You don't have to carry it. Yeah. He doesn't want you to carry it. I mean, that's what he Yeah, he doesn't want you to carry it. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't want you to carry it. But, you know, as we are, you know, in our humanness, I often, you know, I'll I'll hand all those bags over. And I'll be like, nah, you know what? Give me that. Give me that one and that one back. I'm going to carry that one for a while yet. (laughs) Yeah, I really like the pain and the weight of that one. (laughs) Why do I do that? We do it, don't we? We do it, don't we? I know I have over and over and over again. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I sit there and I chuckle. I'm thinking he's up there shaking his head at me. Like, child, child, child. Goodness gracious. And his hands are still open saying, I'll take it when you're ready. Yeah. (laughs) Remember, I'm here. Right here. (laughs) Oh, this is good. This is good. I, I know that everybody listening, like, one, they probably think we're just a little bit weird, which is fine because I have no problem with that. I'm like, it's it's not me, it's Jesus. It's all about him. And uh, I don't have the opportunity, you know, my podcast is not necessarily a faith-based podcast. And I come in contact with so many different people and um, we don't have these open conversations about faith. But let me tell you, when I do, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, my, I have a podcast as well and mine's not faith-based, but every once in a while you get those... Uh, you get those guests that come on and you're like, this is where we're supposed to go. Yes. And and you know? like, it gets me fired up and I love it. Um, but um, I also know that there will come a point where people are like, okay, you've talked long enough. And so before um, we end things, <laughs> you know, cause I could talk about it all day and that's their problem, not mine. That's <laughs> it's my show. <laughs> Heard it all if you want to. And but <laughs> before they have that opportunity... What is the one thing, if they hear nothing else, what is the one thing you want them to walk away with? You know, at the end of my podcast, I always ask my guests to toss out a nugget of hope that their listeners can tuck away in their pocket and carry with them. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to toss out a nugget of hope. When you look in the mirror in the mornings, you're getting ready to start your day, however it is. What is it that you see? Are you looking at someone who's really tired and all you're focusing on is the dark circles under your eyes, that gray hair that's creeping in, how your back hurts, how your neck is stiff, how you have all this stuff to do and you got to go to a job you don't like? Is that your focus? Or are you looking in the mirror and just saying, all right, I'm just going to use my name. You're looking in the mirror and you're saying your own name. I look in the mirror and say, all right, Kim, yeah, you're not feeling great today. Ah, and you're not looking your best, but you got this. You got this because you're amazing. And believe it or not, you're a masterpiece in the father's eyes. Even though you don't think so and you don't see it, he does. And he's the one who matters. So you're actually pretty darn awesome. No matter what you see when you look in the mirror, you're pretty darn awesome. And you've got this. Why? Because you're covered. Guys, you're covered. Don't forget that. You're covered. Yeah. Look in the mirror. Say, I've got this today. It's going to be a rough one, but I got it. One more thing. Someone told me a while back, I was having a poop day. Total poopy day. 
And they said, Kim, you're still here, right? You've made it through every day, every bad, bad day, every awful day you've made it through and you're here today, right? And I said, yes. And they said, well, you know what that means? And I was like, just tell me, because I was becoming frustrated. And they said, that means you have a 100% success rate for getting through the tough stuff. That's a pretty darn good success rate. Mm -hmm. So if nothing else, you look in the mirror, you're still there and you're seeing yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, I have a 100% success rate for getting through the tough stuff because I'm still standing. And by golly, that's a win. That is a win, folks. It's a win. And with that, <laughs> that's yes, that's amazing. Um, I'm ready to face the day. I'm going to go look in the mirror and be like, Kim said, you're amazing. <laughs> you're a winner. <laughs> like, do it however you have to do it. This just brought me so much joy today. Like, it has been the best. And uh, all those things that I said at the beginning, like, they have clearly been proven true through our conversation. Um, so how can listeners connect with you and or your work? You know, the easiest way is to go onto my website. Hopefully it's working. There's been a few few quirks happening in there and I fix them and then they happen again. So, you know, that's the D-man popping his little head in there. Mm -hmm. It's okay because I'm covered. So they can go to my website. It's just my name. It's KimLanglingAuthor.com. You can listen to my podcast. You can see the books I have out. You can see what's coming up. I'm always thinking of uh, new anthologies to bring more people together for more books. And, you know, hey, yeah, website's the easiest way. You can contact me through there. My dog has his page because he's my office manager. So he will be collecting those emails that people send and he'll let me know which ones I should respond to. <laughs> if he's for hire, I could use that. I've had a, I've had some slip through my filtering system in the, in the last <laughs> little while that I was like, oh, I probably should have had someone else screen that. Yeah, no, Dexter, he's my office manager. He has his own little page and uh he's he's a very good office manager. He he does really well watching me work and he does really well when he tells me it's time for me to take a break. See, Not I, him. You can't he, beat that. You can't beat that more. No, he's like, Mom, that. you really have to go for a walk now. It's time for you to go for a walk. Yes. He's very good at his job. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, all of your information will be in the show notes. So anybody will be able to find you that simple. Just head over to the show notes and click the link and follow it to her website. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. This has been, I mean, life changing for me. So I know that it's going to be life changing for someone else out there listening. That was an absolute pleasure, blessing and super fun. Thanks so much for having me as your guest. Yeah.